Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Welcome to the Independent Thinking Show for Fifth Wrist Radio. This is a place dedicated to showcasing the great people doing interesting things in the world of horology. My name is Roman and today I'm flying solo. Uh, But we do have a very interesting guest joining us today, all the way from a country we haven't had on the show before, all the way from Poland. Um, He's an interesting guy. He's the CEO of two watch brands, as well as being a digital communications expert, collector of very cool independent watches, and I have to be on my best behavior because he's an amateur power lifter. So I better behave myself. Uh, please welcome Michal Dunin to the show. Hello, Michal. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, Roman. Really happy to be here. Uh, you make me sound like some kind of, you know, Superman, but but uh, that's not the case. I'm just someone who's very passionate about a few things and, uh, you know, looking forward to, to sharing stories about that. Oh, look, man, it's really awesome to have you in the show. Um, I was actually thinking it's taken us a little while to connect um, diary management, all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of looking back at how we actually met. And we actually met through your personal watch collecting. And I'm sure we'll get to it. But for some, not for some reason, for a good reason, you seem to be collecting exactly the watches that I want to be collecting. So we kind of, you know, like whenever you do like a new watch alert and I'm like, damn, that's another one on my list. <laughs> so it's really cool. So I knew we were going to get on even before I realized you had, you were looking after two watch brands. So this is really cool. Really cool. I'm I'm really happy with the collection as is. I mean, I know that's not something a lot of people say, always looking for the next one, but uh, this year has been really good to me. I found a few gems and I'm, I'm really happy with the state of the collection now so so thanks for saying that brilliant oh, well I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll get into it uh, in a little while um usually so before we kick off let's do a quick wrist check I'm always keen to know what my guests are wearing on their wrists and then yeah we'll do a quick intro about you and stuff like that so you're the guest you're the boss I'm just the monkey on the controls so give us give us your wrist shot I'm sitting down I'm ready uh, I'm actually oh, wearing nice. wearing my T two thousand and seventy seven watch, which is a watch we created uh, for the Cyberpunk game. We, as in Borneo Watchers, which I'm which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, and and it's a it's a really cool story actually. Uh, CD Projekt is uh, Poland's largest uh, game developer, game publisher. They were actually Poland's largest company for a while before the oh, wow. the, the stock the stock market. Uh, you know, revalued them a little bit. However, they're 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 responsible for the success of the Witcher series that I'm sure a lot of people have heard about, mm. and then their newest game is, is Cyberpunk 2077, which I guess two years ago was the most hyped game in mm. the world for some time. And uh, we actually approached them. I had uh, I had connections with them through a through a startup meeting uh startup meeting initiative that i'm part of and got to meet the ceo he introduced me to their licensing team and i thought okay this is this is an occasion that i can't just let <laughs> slide sure. so uh, so we designed the watch and i arranged the meeting and i i came to the meeting with a watch design and i said guys this is what we want to do this is what we imagine someone in uh in the cyberpunk game would have on their wrist 
And, and that's how the watch basically came into existence. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later on the show, but I'll just put a little timestamp. So guys, if whoever's listening to this now, have a look at Michal's Instagram. There's a little five-minute video when you talk about the actual watch and the genesis of it and all that. It's well worth It's a five-minute kind of mini review from the guy who conceived the watch. Really cool. Definitely must watch. So it's a very cool watch. Um, Thanks. I, I enjoy it. It's my daily actually right now. Wow. Okay. See that. See that tells me a lot because I know what other watches you have, and that's that. <laughs> like I can't think of a better endorsement to that. <laughs> so this is really cool. This is very very cool. Now, actually, before before we leave the show, um, uh, before we leave this point, rather. So it's a quartz watch. It's kind of harkens back to kind of neo futuristic, but also looking back at kind of the digital watches from the nineteen seventies or so. Now there has been a bit of a kind of resurgence of those watches you know gp recently released that kind of casquette watch as well i mean yours precedes that kind of thing so mm-hmm. were you did you look at other watches on the market and said hey you know pulse has got a we should do something similar or did you kind of have that concept before um, well i have a casquette and i've had it for about four years i love the okay. watch I think it's really, really cool, and I, I won't say that was some some that wasn't somewhere in the back of my mind hmm. as uh, as a sort of inspiration. Uh, firstly, because you know it was one of the first quartz watches, and hmm. cyberpunk is about being neo neo futuristic, and I, I always found the casquette to be a watch that was really ahead of its time, really cool. Hmm. So when I when I was thinking of cyberpunk, the the cars they have there, the weapons and so on, I thought that would be that would be kind of what we should bounce from, where we, where we should come from, where, what we should take into account as an inspiration. And I looked through loads of different quartz watches. Uh, I, I thought it hmm. needs to be a quartz watch. And then, you know, went into material, form, shape, and it kind of evolved yeah. from there. And yeah, yeah thank, and so, and thankfully, so- we launched before the casket was revived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes. Um, yeah, and I wasn't, and to be clear, I wasn't kind of, you know, accusing you of any nefarious purpose. I, I'm, you you know, whenever, you know, whenever you watch any sort of industry, there is a lot of synergies and people sort of come back to the same themes. It's a recurrent kind of thing. Fashion would be the same, right? So it's always interesting, you know, like you can see, Pulsar is doing something again. It's a really cool kind of, yeah, it's a trend that's coming back. You know, MBNF at a different price level have sort of also had their kind of, you know, legacy machines and stuff, uh, horological machines and stuff like that. It Hamilton. is a very cool watch. Hamilton with mm-hmm. the Matrix as well. So, yeah, Exa- yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, it's a really cool watch. Uh, I'm sure we'll come back to talk about it. So it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I also love the bracelet as well. Um, I know you sent one down here for review that with our uh, local mates. I'm in Melbourne. So Time and Tide um, did a quick review. I actually reached out to them to say, hey, could I have a look at it? Because I, I had a feeling I was going to buy it. And they're like, no, nah, it's gone, man. Like <laughs> it didn't hang about. So okay. yeah. So. Anyway, so we'll have to we'll have to talk afterwards, but no, I'm sure I can see it in my future, <laughs> definitely, uh, at some cool. point. Very cool. All right, let me. I'll stop talking. I'll do my I'll do my quick wrist check, and then we'll kind of talk about you rather than listening to me talking. Uh, so my watch, uh, my camera's a bit crappy. I've got a Fernando Ronzon watch, um, which is a is a indie maker out of in Canada. Um, I've had 
sort of this watch in my mind for a little while recently acquired. Um, yeah, it's just really cool, really interesting concept of showing time. There's a lot of kind of love and care and craft in this watch, which always appeals to me because um, you can, you know, I like seeing kind of the think that the the passion of the guy making or the girl for that matter uh, making the watch, and this thing has a lot of that personality uh for for the watch uh really cool i also really like that there's kind of a little resurgence of watchmaking happening in canada particularly indie watchmaking so like fernando ronzon um chris manning a friend of the show at Silverhand, is uh working on a watch that should be coming out soon it's really nice to see kind of you know i like regionalities particularly when we start talking about what you're doing in poland it's really nice to see kind of creative stuff happening in different regions so it's very very exciting you know i live in in australia um we've got our own kind of little home cluster of works one of those actually you own as well so you have like a nicholas hacko watch uh, yeah. which is very cool so that's our kind of probably the m- most advanced kind of indie maker out in australia so yeah it's just really nice to see uh, so yeah, i'm familiar really like with the one. watch you have and i i really like the the time display it's a really mm. cool watch, and and it definitely, uh, as you said, you you, you can tell uh, from looking at it with just a few glances that this is something that's handmade. Someone put a lot mm. of effort into it, and yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you, no, and yeah, cheers to Fernando. You're like he, the man does good work very quietly as well. It's one of those things where, you know, he's like very very hidden away. Um, so hopefully we'll get a bit more profile and explode. You know. Take over <laughs> FB Jean at some point. <laughs> all power, all power to him. All right. Anyway, well, let's talk about you. So you're you're the guest. I guess before we get into Bonnie watches and Chopin watches and all things, tell us about tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you find yourself in the watch space at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm asked that question quite often, and it's usually a question uh, of whether someone in the family was collecting or whether someone introduced me to watches. And I, I have no such story, unfortunately, to share. Right. Uh, I, I actually was introduced to watchmaking. Uh, I, I introduced myself to watchmaking. I was studying. I was really into my muscle cars, really into, you know, uh, motorcycles, but cafe racers, bobbers, uh, building a, a bit of bikes myself with my friends, really like, mechanical stuff Mm. going into the engine and so on. And I found that watches were something that was very similar to me, the kind of, you know, made my, made made my pulse go higher. So I started to buy, uh, to buy uh, old Russian watches that were really easily available 17, 18 years ago when I wasn't into that scene. And uh, the next step from there was taking them apart, trying to put them back together and then slowly mm-hmm. evolving into what I liked, what I didn't like, finding out about Polish watchmaking, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. And then, mm. uh, you know, uh, since I was able to develop my company, which, uh, as you mentioned, is a, is a digital company, I always felt like I, I wanted to, uh, I don't know, leave something behind. I know how that sounds, but, but that really is the case. I, I really wanted to have some sure. sort of physical product. And, sure. uh you know, I, I, it wasn't like I was going to launch a, a motorcycle company anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it actually sure. went to, uh, into watches and learning firstly about what watches, how watches developed historically in Poland. 
And then when I when I learned about the history of Borneo watches, I was like, how are we not? How is no one doing this? So hmm. yeah, I decided that's the way to go. That's really interesting. I mean, I'm glad you don't have a watch story, like an origin story, because I don't have a watch origin story either. I mean, you are so. Let's tell our listeners where you're based as well. So, where are you in Poland? Whereabouts? I'm in I'm in Warsaw, in the capital. Right. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. So, yeah, it's really interesting. So, I was born in the Ukraine, which is the you know still a country for now, and our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine. Um, but people kind of in that Eastern European region don't tend to have a lot of particularly in the times where you and i grew up don't really have a lot of luxury watch stories that's not really kind of a thing that existed right yeah definitely so, not i mean if you saw saw within your members of family when you were growing up a watch it was like if someone had a doxa like a gold-plated mm. doxa you were like wow <laughs> that yeah, guy is party something. member yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah so it's so it's just really interesting where you know you you kind of found your way through mechanics and I found my way through navigation, but we kind of both ended up here without the classical, or oh, my dad had a Rolex, so I remember seeing the glint of the bracelet of the date just on my grandfather's arm, you know, like the, the typical thing that everyone kind of has. So I'm really glad we're bonding on that. I really, <laughs> I really like that. All right. Well, look, let's then have a chat about probably the next logical step is let's talk about Polish watchmaking because I'm sure when you know when our listeners are here, I'm, I don't think the po- watchmaking in Poland has really had any exposure. Uh, people know people are learning more and more about Soviet and Russian watchmaking. There's a whole kind of dedicated collector base and field of study devoted to that now. I don't think Polish watchmaking has really been explored that much. So maybe tell us a little bit about that and kind of what then made you. Um, want to resurrect the Buoni watch company? Sure. I mean, there's there's no comparison with Russian watchmaking or German watchmaking. I mean, uh, both of those countries that are neighbors have a really deep and long history of watchmaking. Poland was partitioned for 111 years, so we did have mm. that watchmaking kind of uh, within certain parts of the country, mm. but but that was through mainly actually German, German brands making uh, wall clocks, making uh, tabletop clocks and so on and so on, but nothing that we would really say was Polish watchmaking. We had yeah. some situations where watchmakers in Warsaw, these are really rare watches, would make one-off pieces, mm. or would make dials, but nothing that uh, that, that was post-First uh, post, post uh, First World War, between between the wars. Uh, we had a few watchmakers here in, uh, uh, in, in Poland, but nothing that really, uh, you know, is now... Uh, super well known or, or known for its innovation sure. Sure. or anything like that. So uh, I, I will actually skip Borne and 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 uh, tell you a little bit about the landscape, how I found it in, in 2010 sure. and 12, and then go back to, to Borne. So hmm. around 2012, when I became interested in, in basically going into watchmaking, perhaps uh, founding a, a brand, the landscape in Poland was we had uh, two, two watchmaking micro brands, uh, mainly importing uh, importing everything either from China or movements from Japan uh, or right. Switzerland, Swiss-made movements, and then uh, best case scenario, putting it together in Poland and selling it. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, in any way saying that's that's a bad approach. They had some Polish design cues and so on, but nothing. 
you know, to write home about. <laughs> sure, nothing and, Polish uh, specifically. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and, and around 2014, uh, three or four other micro brands uh, appeared as well, with all with their own idea of you know what they would like to introduce to to, to watchmaking, either very historically about about Poland, so inspired by Polish cars, inspired by Polish airplanes, inspired by Polish history and so on. Hmm. However, okay. mm, traditionally, there was only one uh, one watchmaking company in Poland to have ever existed and actually produced, to have produced watches on a, on a production scale, and that was Bonia. And that was mm-hmm. Bonia, and I, I found out about that in, two, in 2010 when I started reading about Polish, Polish watchmaking. Yeah. Of course, I had bought watches with Polish-sounding names on the dial, such as right. Lech, uh, such as Polan, but I had I didn't have a clue that these were all produced in one factory. Mm. So, uh, Bornia, uh, as as a watchmaking uh, company, was actually founded in 1953. So, so in 1953, ZMP Bornia, Zakłady which basically means uh, Precision Me- Mechanics uh, Company yeah. uh, of Bornia. Uh, was founded, and that's just 20 kilometers from Warsaw. Hmm. So someone decided that this is strategically a good place to put sure. a factory, basically. It's yeah. a very good logistical logistical uh, place. And uh, the decision was made in 1956 that Zetempe would produce wristwatches on um, a license from the USSR. And mm-hmm. in 1959, so 1953, decision to create the factory. 1956, decision that this factory would in fact produce watches. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yes. then 1959, uh, we had the first watch. Uh, uh, the first watch left. Yeah, produced. Uh, yeah, that's the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, between 1959 and 1967, 1.2 million watches were produced, and the high point of that production was several thousand pieces. You know, uh, accounts differ. Some say a thousand pieces, some say several thousand pieces were produced, with bridges actually being produced in the Bonya plant. Right. Okay. Uh, in 1967, a decision was made. A political decision was made to stop production in the Bonya pra- uh, plant and. Uh, Production was actually transferred to printers and then to uh, putting computers together. And in 2003, right. the, 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 the plant filed for bankruptcy. So that's a, that's a very wow. short history. Mm. And, the, and the watches that were being made between that 1956 and 1967, mm-hmm. Were they made for internal market? Were they made to go back to the USSR and kind of explore there? Or did they go to kind of that Eastern Bloc countries? Like what was the... That's a great question. Uh, Well, the USSR and the whole Warsaw Pact, that was central production. So it wasn't that uh, the situation that we had... I guess with the EU, it's it's going to become a little bit similar. I don't want to say that there's like <laughs> I'm not saying Ooh, that the that's EU is political. The, is the is the Warsaw Pact? It's not. Yeah, what, let's forget what about saying. watches. Let's talk geopolitics. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> what I'm saying is that you know someone in Moscow would say, okay, tractors will be produced in the sure. Belarus for the whole Warsaw Pact, and 
yeah. watches will be produced in Eastern Germany and in and under Moscow and so on and so on. So uh, basically, Warsaw Pact countries would not produce the same the same sure. thing. Yeah. No. Uh, no however, uh, however, uh, Borne was the exemption to the rule. You know, oh, okay. with uh, basically uh, them saying, okay, let's let's give Poland a chance of producing watches, even though they're being produced in Eastern Germany and uh, and in Russia, uh, yeah. and they were made for internal use. Mm. However, and under different brand names, so every sure. time they came up with a with a dial that was a little bit different, they would say, all right, let's call this one Lech, let's call this one Poland, let's call this one Delphin. And they would not differ technically. Often the cases mm. would be very similar. Uh, the movements would, would be basically the same, slowly evolving with adding one stone or, uh, sure. you know, inca, inca block capabilities and so on. However, these models would not differ. So it was more like a marketing stunt, I guess they uh, would say. Mm. However, they, sure. they did, yeah. they did uh, try to export at some point. And out of all of the brand names, I love this, out of all of the brand names, they actually decided to call the export version Buonex. So, <laughs> oh dear, beautiful! So yeah, right, no, was, no, I'm sure purely coincidental. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, that, uh, so I guess that was <laughs> a combination of the words Buone and export Buonex. Yeah. So so that Buone. that I didn't go that. anywhere. So that didn't go anywhere. Sure. And by the way, that's like Polish branding best practices. You'll not believe how many. <laughs> Polish companies are named after two words being put together. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, you know, that's how Russians name factories. You know, when I was growing up, you know, you could decipher what the factory made by the yeah. ten different words jammed together. That's right. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, wow, interesting. So, so watch production stopped late sixties, right? And then the factory essentially, you know, transitioned to making other goods. Yeah. Um, by order of the committee of the, you know, whatever. Was the name Wonia completely died out kind of in Poland or did Polish people still remember Wonia watches or is that kind of just gone mist of no, time? Polish people remember Wonia watches. I mean, it's, it was 1.2 million watches. So everyone, uh, everyone's uncle, right. would, grandfather, someone right. had a Wonia watch or Wonia made watch. So that was a yeah. brand that everyone was very familiar with. Uh, of course, not people my age, not so much. Yes, however, sure, sure. however, people who are a bit older, everyone knew Borne, uh, everyone knew brands that were produced by Borne. So okay. that was that was a, a household name, uh, right. a household name at one point. However, what, what we then faced is, you know, the rights for that name. Because yeah, the company, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, the company went bankrupt. No one really knew whether you know some debt or uh, someone who who the company was in debt to hmm. didn't acquire the brand as as kind of you know payment for those debts so that was a sure. bit of a problem the all the patents died out uh, so uh, that was quite easy from that from that point of view however you still have the artistic copyright for people who actually wrote and designed the yeah the, sure. the, and so it's 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 very complicated process at the same time, Borne, as I mentioned, is the name of a town. So mm. even if from, from a rights point of view, everything would be clear, you can't just go out and name a company after a town. It, it, yes. it's not, you can't just make you know, Warsaw phones. 
you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yes, 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 sure, of course, of course. So, so we uh, we went over to the town and basically said, all right. So we have this plan of perhaps <laughs> making mm-hmm. Borgia a thing again. And and what do you think of that? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to get the town council and the mayor to vote on that if you if you need the rights. Mm-hmm. So we went back and we're like, okay, so. Basically, me and my business partner at that point were, what, 20, 25? And we're like, yeah, they're not going to give two 25-year-olds <laughs> who have a marketing agency the rights to uh, to uh, to the Borneo watch brand. Sure. And rightfully so. You know, you can't just – you can't throw, throw, throw things like that around, especially mm. since uh, it is the town's claim to fame. I mean, everyone had a family right. member who worked in that factory – Everyone uh, was really proud of what that factory had achieved over that, those 10 years. You know, mm. that, that was really, you know, the most happening thing that ever happened yeah, in this town. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we actually sat down. And uh, at that time, I, I used to go to a watchmaker uh, very close to my, to my home, uh, Mr. Andre who at that time was uh, 70-something years old, but, but a great expert at repairing Borneo watches. So uh, at, at one point with one of my Borneo watches, I went over and I said to Mr. Andre, Mr. Andre, I'm thinking about reviving Borneo watches. And he got so angry. Mm. <laughs> he got so angry with me. He was like, don't waste my time with things like that. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. Don't waste my wow. time. Get out. Get out. And I'm like, okay, wow. he was very passionate about it. And I, yeah, and I wow. went home and I was like, wow, okay. So people, you know, have a deep fat passion. Yeah, they, yeah. they actually believe, you know, you shouldn't touch something that, that was at one point, you know, something that everyone was very proud of. And sure, actually, three days later, Mr. Andre called me and he's like, yeah, Mr. Michael, I can't sleep. I can't wow. sleep after you came in. Uh, if you need my help then let me know. I'll be happy to help you uh, wow. revive Borneo watches. And that wow. was kind of the, the starting point of it actually getting serious. So mm. I went back. We invited Mr. Andre over for coffee, and we started talking about case design. He also said that he, this is not something that he would you know, be able to do himself. We sure. uh, didn't have anyone in Poland who we thought, okay, you can't just go to someone and say, okay, how much is a case design? Because no one's yeah, designed sure. a case sure. in Poland in 60 years, you know? Sure. So we, we went and, and talked to three different design companies. We did a lot of 3D printing. We did not want to start off with a catalog case. And uh, in the end, we got a, a designer from, uh, from Gdańsk, uh, so next to the, okay. the, the, yep. the, by the coast. Yep. And over, uh, over two years, uh, Krzysztof, so who was the designer, Mr. Andrzej, and, uh, and uh, us two, we basically went through the whole process of designing a case that would house a Miyota movement, learning uh, CAD and learning all of that from scratch. So I'm sure someone who 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 knew that business could have done it, you know, in three or four weeks. It took us two <laughs> sure. years, sure. but yeah, well, I'm happy we started we started that way. And and our first case was something that was you know 100% ours. We created mm. a prototype, and with that prototype. We then uh, went to the town hall, the town oh, wow. uh, of Borneo, okay. and uh, we went to the mayor, 
who there is a local celebrity, by the way, but I think that's a, that's a different conversation. He's someone who really <laughs> revived, revived the town, actually sure. making it the center of, of Polish logistics at this point. Oh, wow. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, a really, accomplished, uh, a really accomplished mayor. And, uh, yeah. and we said to him, okay, well, this is the watch we want to make. And he's like, well, guys, you know, I love it. He was actually the chief of production in Buonia at, at a point in his career. So he was very wow. passionate about that yeah, as well. Wow. But he's like, I'm, I can't give, I can't sign away the rights because, uh, you know, they're going to crucify me here. If I just do that, they're going to be like, you know, you took money to sell this yeah. brand yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, sure. You know, That's there's right, going to yeah. be some, some suspicions. And he, was, he, yeah. he always tries to be very you know, transparent. So he's like, the only way we can do this is, is to have an open meeting with the town in which you tell, you, you tell us what you want to do and we'll have a yeah. vote. So yeah, that's that's what actually happened. We had an open meeting to which towns townsfolk were invited. The town council was there. I did a presentation in front of ev- uh, in front of everyone. There were several hundred people uh, who came along. I presented the prototype. I told them what the plans were, what we wanted to do. Answered some very difficult questions because uh, it was also very important to let people know we're not going to build the factory again. We're not. Sure. This is not what we're able to do. We're not going sure. to be able to relaunch production. And that was some, some of the people's expectation. If you want to, if you want to make Borneo watches, then you should revive the factory and so on. However, we explained that it's not going to be possible, but in the end, uh, after, after that over two hour meeting, we got a unanimous vote granting us the rights to the Borneo watch brand. Wow. And granting you the rights kind of in perpetuity or is there like a five-year thing or a 10? Like in perpetuity, oh, wow. uh, if, 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 uh, if we don't do anything to damage the Borne name. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, th- so firstly, thank you for sharing that story um, because I think it's real. No, I think it's really important for our listeners and well, for me, but also really important for our listeners to I hear the kind of the commitment that you have put into this thing, you know, that you didn't just pluck out a brand from the history. You flick through a catalog, oh, yeah, this and just kind of register a name and relaunch because we know a lot of that sort of stuff mm-hmm. happens in other places. So the care, hearing about the care that you took with this historical g- local gem of a thing is really wonderful, right? It's not, it's not an easy decision. The thought process went through. It's also really wonderful to hear the kind of the passion that people carry around mm. a something that they're really proud of that happened, you know, 20, 50, 70 years ago. I think it's really, really important. Um, we had a previous guest on the podcast. We had um, Nicholas from Fears Watchers. I don't know if you know Fears Watchers. Yes, yes. I mean, his connection is through his family, but it's a similar kind of thing, you know, really passionate about something that existed 70 years ago, you know, 50 years ago, whatever it was, um, and re- relaunching it, reigniting that fire is, and the care that kind of took to do it. It's really, really, really good to hear. Um, so so credit goes to you. Obviously, credit goes to the people of Borne, um for, A, a trusting you and actually then staying, being interested really is kind of the, is the biggest credit. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, at the at the first in the first year they were they were also very vocal critics of things <laughs> we were doing, you know, sure. and and we appreciated that. We also had the opportunity to to still consult and talk to people who would 
who produced the first watches, such as mm. Mr. Shellac, who was this, also the head of production. So these were really that was really great input for us design-wise to stay mm. true to the kind of brand DNA that they developed, and they were talking about why this font was important to them, and you know things like why yeah. these lines for them would were inspired by propellers and so on and so on. So it was sure. really cool stories. But in the end, now after building that relationship with the town for the last eight years, uh, you know they're they're basically our biggest fans. And mm. and that is that is really awesome as well. Yeah, I think yeah, if you earn their trust and they know that you're not just you know just milking this for the history that it's worth, and you're going to abandon it immediately. Um, absolutely, I, I can foresee how they would lessen the hovering over your shoulder, looking over everything once you sort of establish that trust. So when you decided to relaunch the Borny thing, how did you pick the first model or two? Was it looking directly at the catalogue or were you, you know, and picking out something that was made previously or was it something new that you wanted to go with? Well, we wanted to uh, to stay true to the Ponya brand and we, we picked the Zodiac model, mm-hmm. which, oh, cool. uh, which we thought uh, was one of the models that really stood out. We really liked uh, the indices. There were also four lines intersecting the dial, which we then yeah. learned from, from, from the heads of production. These were inspired by propellers, so we really liked the symmetry of it. We thought it was really, it really stood for what was best in Polish design in the 50s and 60s. Um, that was like a golden golden era of, of Polish, Polish design, product design. Oh, interesting. Uh, a lot of furniture from the 50s and 60s still stands as inspiration for what what is going on now. So, oh, so, right. uh, so uh, we thought that was a really great model. Wanted to put a kind of modern spin on it, very similarly to what I guess Fears did as well. Mm. Since you since you mentioned them, mm. and uh, and yeah, so so our first model was Zodiac, the revival mm. of the Zodiac model. Now, in the catalogue has grown, and we'll put links in show notes to people who are not familiar with Boney to um, to go and have a look. The catalogue has grown quite a lot. I mean, you've got, for a relatively young brand, you you do have a lot of models with both, you know, quartz watches and mechanical watches as well. Um, The really cool stuff you're doing now with kind of the handcraft section, Mm -hmm. which we should definitely talk about. So it's really interesting to see that kind of the – evolution and the maturity of you as a brand you know and kind of the progress that you're making really taking strides forward so maybe tell us a little bit about the vision that you have and kind of the plan that if you can share about where you've started and where you're going with Bonnie that I think sure. that would be really interesting uh sure uh, I think that's that's uh an important conversation I mean uh the, the brand's been around or in, in its revived form for eight mm. years. And for us, it was a learning process and a learning curve. Uh, we, we don't have, you know, really deep pockets. Sure. <laughs> and uh, sure. so, so we had to start off with one model. There was one model, one dial, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it was just a risk, a risk, risk it all kind of project. Let's hope this sells. If it doesn't, you know, it'll be the only <laughs> watch we, we ever release. Yeah. And then uh, it, the, the situation was very similar with our second watch, our third watch, our fourth watch. It was just like, make it or break it. If the people don't like the watch, then, then it's over. <laughs> mm. So it was, everything we, we, would, we would earn from, from one watch was rolled over into, yeah. into the next watch. And that's not a sustainable business model. Uh, sure. We were always trying to make the next watch a little bit better. 
We were always trying to more, put more details into it, trying to make sure that the box was was better, the strap was better, every every little detail. And at one point, uh, you know, we had huge successes with, uh, you know, this was pre the watch hype that we have now. Uh, mm. So so the, our second watch sold out within three weeks, which was uh, we were we were told that was like the biggest watch sales success in Poland what? ever. Uh, in 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 the you know uh, in the last uh, twenty or thirty years, sure. so uh, that that was that was really awesome. However, at one point, you know, we the, the watch we re- re- we released wasn't such a great success, and for us, that was just like, yeah, we can't we can't continue like this. We can't just every every year make one model with three or four dials and just say, okay, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, if the people don't like yeah, it. Yeah. You can't skate on the knife edge every year. Yeah. That's right. Of course. Yeah, of course. So uh, we, we uh, sat down and we thought our strategy and then finally decided on three product lines that we have now. So the first of these is Bonnier Klasiczne, so Bonnier Classical, because I, I will, I will, um, Say the Polish names as well, because for yeah, us, please. yeah, definitely, the ninety percent or of our sales are in Poland, mm. and uh, even if they're abroad, they're very often bought by people who are second or third generation Poles, yeah, and so Diaspora. on. And they they, yeah. they really like sure. the the idea of having a a Polish watch. So Bonnie Klasyczne, which kind of goes back to what Bonnie was originally. Bonnie was never meant to be an expensive watch. It was a mm-hmm. watch for the people was a watch that was put together uh, in, in Poland and that was supposed to be a daily watch. So Bonnie Klasyczne are just that. Those are classical watches uh, with uh, quartz movements, timeless design, and they are uh, our aim is for them to always cost uh, under 200 euro. So those wow. are basically uh, those kind of watches. And we do also limited editions there, and I'll get into that uh, as well. Then we have Bonnie Limitowane, so Bonnie Limited, these are manual or automatic watches that are produced always in numbered series, and they're either inspired by Polish history or by Bonnie models. Uh, we're very keen on um, aviation, so we're doing a bit. We've always done a, a bit of, of of that, and we're going to keep doing that as well within Bonnie Limitowane. And then we have Bonnie Jemishunice, which is not oh, something anyone. <laughs> I'm so glad I was going to give it a go. And then I'm like, no, nah, I'll leave it to the expert. Because, you know, I was reading it with my Russian speaking brain on. And I'm like, I, I, I recognize the word, which you're about to translate for us, because it's a similar word in Russian, but it's pronounced completely different. Uh, so Jemishunice, which means manufacturing. Yeah. So this is the line of our watches where we are trying to slowly move production in-house or mm. with very trusted partners where we can tell our consumer where that part of the watch was was made in a very transparent way. So mm. uh, we we have been making our own dials. That was a process that took us four years to develop. And mm. we make porcelain dials here in Warsaw. Uh, and those are unique one-off dials, basically. Uh, and that, that, that's, that's something we're very, very proud of. We've been trying to make cases uh, for the last four years as well, with little luck. Uh, I'll be mm. honest, the, the CNC cases that we've tried and made have never been uh, have never been up to par with the quality we want to supply. 
Uh, mm. or they've never been able to achieve the shape that we'd like to uh, we'd like to have. Interesting. Uh, you know, probably also because we work with CNC companies here in Poland that do not have prior experience in making watch cases. Sure. We've 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 had the whole uh, 3D printing experience uh, behind us as well with both printed titanium. Uh, we've also tried printed gold. In both cases, we were not satisfied enough, and, and that just didn't work with the porcelain. I mean, I know Holstrand, I think that's how you pronounce it. Holstrand watches. Yeah, yeah, they, they make some really cool 3D printed mm. dials, and, and you know, they're great at that, but it's, is, yeah. yeah, but that, that wasn't, we, we couldn't achieve that. We're not happy with it. And now, for the last one and a half years, we're actually experimenting with a technology that's used to make uh, drills for mining. So for mining oh. machines, and okay. it's a wow. it's a process of com- compressing a powder, metal powder, but but also carbon powder and so on in a machine that puts it under extreme pressure and runs a very high wattage of current through it, electrical oh. current. Okay. And actually, the the powder fuses; it doesn't melt; yeah. it fuses. Wow. So we actually uh, after after one and a half years, have our first prototype of, uh, of a dial, uh, sorry, of a, of a case. Yes, uh, yeah. However, we still have a big process of getting finishing mm. up to par. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that, that's going to be a process that we're working on. However, you know, we're, we're very happy to have our dials at the moment and, and we think they're excellent. We also do pad printing uh, mm. here uh, in Warsaw. And for the first time, uh, I, I even I shared a story two weeks ago. I've been I've been telling my crew I want I want those numbers to look like they're on a German watch. You know I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I you know what you mean. I, I, yeah, like, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, exactly the what the you mean. pad printing that we were doing was flat. You, it, yeah. it was sharp, but it was flat. Yeah. And yeah. now we finally have that round, that beautiful yeah, you want shape. The thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's okay. so nice. I was so proud of them. Yeah. And it's a it's a process that we can you know it's a repeatable process. It wasn't yes, a one off. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful, sharp, fat, you know, indices. Cool. Yeah, on, German uh, indices. Dials. Yeah, German yeah, indices. I get you. I'm, I get you. I'm really, I'm really proud of that. No, that's and that, look, that's awesome. That's awesome. And we're we're working now with uh, with a French uh, company that's been making uh, hands for I can't mm. remember now two centuries or something, and, oh, wow. and they they are making blued blued hands for us. Thermically mm. blued hands that we're also in, introducing into into these watches. Yeah. See, again, it's so it's so wonderful to hear. There's so many strengths we could talk, like you know we can talk across there, but it's really wonderful to hear like a the experimentation, b kind of you know whenever watchmaking starts in a particular region, we talked about Canada, we talked about US, whatever. You know, you have creative people making watches and then a little industry starts to build up around them which is what switzerland is really good at right and germany to some degree is really good at they've had 150 years of this of you know creative people making watches but then a whole bunch of companies around suppliers to do hands straps spring bars you know cases whereas you almost have to kind of reverse engineer it again working with partners who don't have the machines or are not used to working to the same tolerances and stuff, but you kind of forging your way forward is going to create, make it easier for the next 
Polish brand or, you know, like it's just so A, exciting to hear because, you know, I live in Australia where that kind of is not happening to any big mm. degree. We've got the Hacko and, you know, Ruben Scoots, the indie maker, but we don't have that kind of grassroots, you know, thing. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be as proud of, of just, okay, we produce the dial and then send it off to Germany and Switzerland to get that pad printing the way we want it. Mm. It's, it's, mm. I understand that the effect would be the same, but it wouldn't be the same for me. I mm. mean, you know, the, 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 the pride we felt after, you know, one and a mm. half years of trying and getting that pad printing the way we want it, you know, that's, that's, that's why we're here and uh, mm. makes it all, you know, worthwhile for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing we should probably talk about with the handcraft, handicraft section, I won't say the Polish word, I'll leave that <laughs> to you, the engraved dials as well, because you've got the porcelain dials and there's, there's mm-hmm. also the engraved dials. Now, who does the engraved dials for you? Is that an in-house thing? Is there a Polish craftsperson? It's a Polish in, in, engraver. Uh, yep. He's not in-house to us. Uh, we work with him. Uh, we local, think he's... Yep. He's extremely, extremely talented, and those are made by hand. We also have some videos uh, that I can send you. You can share where he does Definitely. it. It takes yeah, a sure. very long time for him to craft every dial. Uh, mm. I personally, uh, we introduced these because clients were asking for them. I personally, I'm a fan of the porcelain dials because I, I think that's something very unique to us. However, the, the engraved engraved dials are, are, are an option as well. Yeah. yeah. The the porcelain dial, and once again, we'll, we'll link it up in the show notes, but I definitely encourage people to see. I mean, I love a enamel dial or a porcelain dial or lacquer dial. That really kind of appeals to me. That a lot of my watches, I'll either have a guilloche dial or a kind of enamel or lacquer dial. You, I mean, the, the enamel dial that you've got, the porcelain dial, rather, that you've got mm-hmm. on your website. It's kind of that bright yellow, which is, once again, people who know me, like yellow is the color of dials. I have a lot of watches with yellow dials. It's a craziness for me. Uh, I think it's the Ukrainian connection, the yellow. Uh, <laughs> but you actually put up on your Instagram, there was a prototype dial that you put up, which was like a blue dial with kind of this prototype, yeah. which is amazing. Like I've never seen a dial like that, and I'm like, oh, I've got to, at some point, I'll have to make sure I'll add it to my collection, my personal collection, because it was amazing. I've never seen another dial like it. It is beautiful. We experiment uh, a lot with, with the type of finishing. The yellow dial actually was a one-off we did for Ukraine. Mm. So uh, That's right. Yeah, so I was going to talk about that. Also, that was also on my Instagram. We, we, we created a, a yellow yellow dial with uh, blue indices and with uh, four for Ukraine printed mm. at 6 o'clock, and that was auctioned off mm. with all proceeds going, uh, going to... Uh, to a Ukrainian fund. However, uh, we've experimented a lot with porcelain dials, and and the one you speak of, I know exactly which one you mean. <laughs> it, I, I describe it myself as as looking like a tropical bird's egg. You know the, yes, that kind of exactly. finishing. Yeah, finishing. yeah, yeah. Bird's it egg is, is absolutely perfect way. beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. these these dials are very. The process is very different to enamel, uh, which is mm. basically where you would take glass, crush it yeah. up. Yeah. And of course, I'm not saying it's Fire. easy, it's very difficult, but very different. Mm. Porcelain, it's, it's very different. You start with a plaster mold. You have to heat the oven to 1,200 degrees rather than, uh, I think it's 600. So it's a yeah, six big difference I think. Yeah. In, uh, in, uh, in temperatures. Also, uh, there's a big difference in uh, porcelain very often uh, curves as a result mm. of the temperature. So that was something that we have had to fight with for a long time. However, the, the experience in 
making porcelain look the way the way it looks in Borja is something that uh, Bartek Mayer, who who works with us, he uh, introduced. He's someone who who is a graduate of is a, a Polish man who's a, a graduate of the Royal College of Art in London, and what? he's one of the most established porcelain makers in Poland. He does wow. amazing things with porcelain from, uh, you know, from uh, lampshades or yeah, sure. all kinds yeah, of all shapes. The decorative, yeah, all the decorative yeah, and it's, objects. The, yeah, the wow. things he does is just so beautiful. Mm. So uh, I, I remember I made for a, a Polish background uh, collector from, from the U.S., Paweł, Paul. He has, um, he has a dial that looks like, you know, a... Uh, uh, the, the the inside of a cup of a mocha coffee and it's, oh, just, wow. like, it's just like beautifully it looks beautifully textured but it's it's a hundred percent smooth yeah wow. it's just beautiful that's very cool yeah that, that's it uh, once again I, I love when talented craftspeople come together and there's oh. you know from watchmaking outside watchmaking the results can be incredible because you sort of bring out the best of both worlds absolutely so Good on you. Uh, before we kind of close, because I want to talk about your other brand, Chopin watches as well. Um, at the moment, so you guys are using quartz movements and mechanical movements, which are important. So I think you use Miota movements at the moment. Your watches. We use a lot of Miota, yeah. Yeah. But we also work with STP, Swiss uh, Technology yep. Production, so Fossil Group. Yeah. Is a future so happy with the way things are any thoughts about at some point maybe going to an in-house and i'm only asking because i know some of our listeners will want to know yeah <laughs> i don't really care either way um but i thought we should better cover that i mean uh if you asked me in 2012 after yeah. or 2012 when we started and in 2014 after the success of our first watch if I wanted to make an in-house movement, I would have said, yeah, sure, you know, give us three or four years. Now sure. I'm a, a, a lot more humble. Sure. <laughs> sensible, how, sensible, not yeah. humble, sensible. It took us four years to make a dial uh, and yeah. learn how to make a dial. And sure. not just, you know, uh, we, we learned from yeah. scratch. Pick one from it's catalog, taken us yeah. four, four years to, to try to learn how to make a, a case, but a different case to what everyone else is making. And we're not there yet. So I don't, foresee us making an in-house movement anytime soon. What I would like to do is experiment with bridges. So rather based on a, uh, on a movement such as the Pazo uh, 7001 mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, and try to do some sort of uh, custom custom bridge uh, alternation. We've, we've done a few designs. Uh, we are, we're actually working with several companies to the east of Poland. So at the moment, that's that's not going to happen. Sure. Uh, however, however, moving capabilities to in-house other than perhaps some custom finishing is not something that we will be able to introduce in the upcoming years. Yeah, and that's, look, and that's reasonable. I mean, once again, the 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 more because i've been collecting for a little while you know 10 years or so and been moving more and more into kind of independent watches and i've never really cared much about in-house because i think it's more the transparency of what you're doing and the the things that you add to a standard component it's fine enough for me you know so i don't think it's a it's an argument that we really need to have at all um but look it's all credit to you for evolving it 
We are we are talking to to two Swiss movement producers on uh, creating a custom finish for us for the mm. Jamishnicho watches. Perhaps mm -hmm. so that is something that we have on our radar and that yeah. perhaps we can introduce. And some companies would go as far as to naming a movement that has custom finish, finish finishing as their own movement or or calling it a custom movement. Sure, uh, but definitely not something I would I would ever yeah. call in house. Yeah. No, great. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I, I knew I liked you for a reason. This is good. <laughs> this is sticking all the, all the boxes. Brilliant. All right. Now, I, I, lots to talk about, but let, let's just move thing on. Now, the other watch brand that you do manage as well is Chopin Watches, uh, named after, yes. obviously, after the very famous Polish composer, Frederick Chopin. Tell us a little bit about kind of the thoughts behind that, because I've got a few okay, questions so as well. Again, again, ambition there, uh, and uh, I, I'll be absolutely forthcoming in, say, in saying that Basel, you know, ruined my mind. <laughs> Here we were in 2013 and 14 on top of the world with yeah. our, you know, beautiful machine-finished case and our yep. first watch yeah, with this Miyota movement, and, you know, we wouldn't take it off. It was just, wow. Yep. Top of the world. And we're like, yeah, let's, let's go to Basel. <laughs> Yeah, and we went to Basel and we were like, oh, damn. And I remember Mr. Andre, so the watchmaker yeah. I told you, I told you about who, yeah. who was a great inspiration, yeah. help, help to us. They actually retired now and we usually meet around once, once per year to show him, to show mm. him the novelties. Uh, he said, yeah, if you're going to Basel, uh, you guys need to go for five days. And me and uh, Maciej, who is my business partner, were like, yeah, okay, thank you, Mr. Andre." But of course, under our nose, we were snickering a little bit, like, yeah, right, okay, so Mr. Andre needs five days. We're going to do this in one. Yeah. Uh, and th <laughs> that was that was when Basel was really, you know, still Basel. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that first year we went in 2000, and uh, I think it was 13, I was just blown away. Mm. I was blown away. And we were just... Literally, we were, you know, uh, our mouths were watering. Yeah, on a high. That was yeah, the yeah. first time I saw Konstantin Chaikin. That was the first time I saw Ludovic Biart. That was the first time uh, I saw Vincent Calabresio watch, watches. Oh, that was the first time I saw Urban Jurgensen. And I was just like, what is yeah. going on? The There's like, a big it, it, It's... <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like it's like uh, if you if you lived in a cave and then it was the first time you looked up at the sky. Sure. And I was yeah. just blown away. Yeah. I was blown away, and and then we came back, and we would go back every year and start talking to uh, to, uh, to suppliers. Uh, one of our one of our, the reasons we use Miyota, uh, and we've been using them for so long is, of course, they are a workhorse movement. However. Mm. Uh, we we always felt very respected by them in our relationship in our sure. direct relationship, uh, uh, and it they when we came along and we said things that were absolutely ridiculous to anyone who knows the industry, such as would you sell us a hundred movements? Sure, and you know every other every other uh, manufacturer would laugh us out of the booth. In yeah. Miyota, they were always very like respectful. They would take the time, explain to us why they wouldn't do it, and you know that was just. Yeah, I, I found that, that important. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, sorry, that was just uh, no, I it's just, good. Uh, this yeah, is just, the, the look, the, the glimpse behind the curtain that we want our listeners to to hear about. 
So this is gold. Yeah. This is gold. So 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 we had a great relationship uh, relationship with them for for many years. And uh, at what one point, you know, we had the fourth or fifth Borneo watch. I think it was two thousand and sixteen, and we went to Basel again. And uh, me and uh, Mache sat down for those famous. I think it was twelve euro or twelve franc uh, uh, sausages they would have at, <laughs> sure. at Basel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And yeah. I'm like, you know, we're never going to be able to do any of, of the things we're seeing here with, with Borne. Not because it just doesn't make sense. You yeah. know, Borne is never going to be that kind of brand because we shouldn't make it that kind of brand. We should focus on what we can do in Poland. We should focus on what Borne stands for as a yeah, brand, the DNA. And it was never a high horology brand. What we yeah. can implement into that is Polish, Polish, you know, like handcraft. And that's yes. as far as we should go, or decorating movements in 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 Poland and so on. However, we would we shouldn't go over a, a price point and so on. And he agreed, hmm. and so 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 we came back and you know we felt a bit sick, like we would <laughs> never be able to achieve the, the level Play of with ambition the big we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so so we sat down one day, and I'm like, Machi, if we were to make a, a high horology brand in Poland, what would we name it? Right, and we started, you know, throwing ideas around, and then we got to the point where, like, yeah, Chopin is actually the only pole that's so well known uh, in the world. This doesn't have any negative connotations. <laughs> he is, he is as much, you know, a pole as he is a cosmopolitan. And and the more I got to know Chopin through reading different biographies and so on, you learned that is true. He really was someone who was very well read and very very aware of the whole world and how small of a place Poland is and so on. Uh, so so we said, okay, so it worked with Borne. What would we have to do to have mm. Chopin as a brand? Uh, by that time, Frederic Constant had released the Chopin watch. They had a really nice uh, really nice edition mm-hmm. at one point with a beautiful piano piano finish box hmm. and a really nice uh, stamped guilloche uh, that I'm, I'm a big fan of Frederic Constant and what yeah, they yeah, can same. supply at, 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 their, yeah. at their price same. point. Yeah, same. Uh, so I, I learned that they had bought a license from the National Institute of Frederic Chopin here in Poland to be able to produce that watch. And what is quite, uh, quite interesting is actually Chopin is considered a national treasure, treasure. in Poland. Right. And as such, there's a specific bill of rights Bill of Law mm. that protects Chopin and institutes right. the National Institute of Frederick Chopin. Uh, so gives it a yearly budget, and their only mission in life is to protect the Chopin name. Sure, sure. So uh, for them, Chopin is God, and yeah, they have course. a beautiful. Yeah. They have a beautiful museum. They have a beautiful headquarters in the center of, of Warsaw, and we went over to them and started negotiating. Uh, mm. And after long negotiations, we acquired the uh, the international rights to uh, the Chopin name, and uh, in the regard that no other watch brand can have Chopin, uh, right. or uh, uh, either through the written name Chopin or through the likeness of Chopin on the yeah, sure. watches. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, oh, okay. So then we had the name. <laughs> yep. Now what? <laughs> name is good. Yeah, name is important. Yeah. So, Talk to uh, us about the- we went to Basel again, of course. Uh, and now we had a bit of a track record. You know, we had our Borneo watches. Uh, we were not 
of course, we are still anonymous, but you know, we could show someone we've achieved yeah, of something. Course. Yeah, you've evolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been here. And, that's right. Yeah, we 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 approached uh, several uh, Swiss and German uh, OEM manufacturing uh, mm-hmm. companies, and in the end, it, it went. It came down to Voucher, who mm-hmm. I'm sure you know the, the listeners are familiar with, uh, and sure. uh, Schwarz Etienne, who perhaps yep. you are not so familiar with. And with Schwarz Etienne, we just hit it off straight away. It's all about relationships, I think. So here we had we had that kind of relationship where, you know, just we, we were supposed to have a 10-minute meeting and we had a two-hour meeting just straight sure. away. We yep. absolutely loved them, and uh, I guess they loved us. <laughs> yeah, no, we and, hear good things. Yeah, which watch at the end. We we yeah, you're not the first one to say you've had a really positive yeah, even yeah. from previous guests on the show. So yeah, for sure. And uh, so so uh, at one point we were negotiating, and uh, we invited Mauro, so the CEO mm-hmm. of Schwarz Etienne, to to come to Warsaw, and Antoine, who was the de- who was the designer of the shop and Opus Ten Number Twelve. So he's from a studio called Neodesis, which is also of course. Not so well known, but they have designed watches yeah, for some of the yeah. best brands, mm. uh, it, it's best Swiss brands, and they came over. And long story short, we took them to the museum. We actually took them to the catacombs of the museum. They had the the opportunity to see Chopin's original uh, watch. Wow! And uh, and around three a.m., a deal was struck. <laughs> It's all about it's all about keeping them awake till they yeah till they can say no no anymore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we I've absolutely loved uh, loved the process of creating the Opus Ten number number twelve watch, mm. which was released just before COVID, and that mm. clipped our wings uh, a little bit, definitely. Now, so, so the Opus Ten number twelve Chopin watch is a very very different watch in just about every way to all the Borny watches, both in terms of price, in terms of the ambition, in terms of design, that kind of thing. Now, the the one question that I had, and I hope you can answer it. I'm sure, I, what do I mean? I hope you can answer it. I'm sure you can answer it. The plan is you design it in a limited edition of 56 pieces. Is that right? Now, yep. now I studied music back home. Now, as far as I'm aware, Chopin died, I think, age 39. Now, yeah, good. Okay, yeah, so thirty just, something. Yeah, yeah, I think it's thirty, yeah. but under forty. So, so tell yeah. tell us about why fifty six. I'm sure there's a good reason. I want to know. I couldn't figure it out. So tell us about why fifty six, and kind of what's the plan for how long do you think it will take to get fifty six done? Okay, so I wish I had a beautiful story behind fifty six. Give us a terrible I've, story. Well, I've I can looked, edit it down. That's fine. I've looked far and wide. Yeah, for how how I can link fifty six into this, but I can't. It right. was just negotiations with the National Institute of Frederick Chopin. Gotcha. Okay, cool. <laughs> we cool. wanted a hundred. They wanted to give us ten, and yep. we negotiated to fifty six. Hey, that's good. <laughs> You're over halfway, so I think you won that negotiation. That's fine. Okay, cool. Because I because I kept trying to sort of I did a little bit of research going. Like, did he write 56 sonatas? No, that's not real. Nope. Like, I did all this kind of, I, I tried to link a good. So, no, that's good. So, I'm not going crazy. So, that's fine. No, that's good number. Nothing. 56 is a good number. I don't, I can't think of any other limited edition watch with 56 pieces. You know, there's been like 10, 12, 15, 13, even like 33. 
I've done so. You've got the yeah. You've got the unique limited series of fifty six. No one else has done that. So that's cool. That's really cool. So then, <laughs> that's really interesting. So then, how long do you think the fifty six would take? Are they kind of each watch made to order until you do fifty six and done, or will you sort of produce them and then be sitting available for clients? No, we've we've produced most of them, okay. uh, and now it's a case of uh, of basically putting them together. Yep. So, uh, so parts are, are ready mostly, uh, but now we, we have orders coming in and each watch is, is then assembled when a client orders it. Yeah. So that's the, the, the long, how long will it take? Well, we have over 30 some 30 something sold at the moment. Okay. Good. Uh, uh, within that 56, five were produced with a violet subdial to celebrate oh, okay. the, 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 the Chopin competition. Uh, that ah, happened yeah, last, yeah, last year, yeah. which was actually really awesome. And the more I got into Chopin, the the more that's, I appreciated. But yeah, yeah that's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, sure. Uh, but but definitely, definitely different process uh, to Borgne. Uh, however, we still had our Borgne approach, so we tried to do as much as we could uh, internally. Also. Internally, by internally, I mean with Schweizer TN and with Nodes's studio. Yeah, uh, I, I, I said that we need a red balance wheel because that's the heart of Chopin. Hmm. And we, I, they told me it couldn't be done. And in the end, it took it took Schweizer TN twenty something prototypes wow. to get that red balance wheel. <laughs> yeah, done. So yeah, oh, I love I love the passion like. I love these kind of details, kind of, you know, it's not just off the shelf. It's like, no, no, we wanted this specific thing. This is the reason why. And then someone else loses sleep trying to figure out how to do it. That's great. I love that. I mean, the, the, the Chopin Opus 10 number 12, so the revolutionary etude, that's a watch I can I can talk about for an hour. There's so many details <laughs> and the, the whole uh, design process in which we involved, you know, the biggest Chopin minds in Poland and the National mm. Institute to make sure things were Chopin accurate and what else yep. we can put into this watch. And, and you know, and, and at the same time, we had the balance of Antoine, who's a great watch designer, who would say, well, guys, this won't work because it kind of, you know, yeah, you need to, to make yeah. a, a, a classical watch that is not a gimmick watch. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult, uh, it was a very difficult process, but uh, yeah, a watch I, I, I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, and and it is very unique, and does have a lot of that. You can see the heart, pun intended, with the red with the red balance wheel. <laughs> you can see a lot of heart and love that's been invested into that watch, from the engraving on the back to all the design features and kind of how it all ties. And particularly, you being based in Poland with a Chopin on the dial has this beautiful synergy. It's not like you know a company in Switzerland buying a you know, name of an yeah. English watchmaker. We don't need to, yeah, let's not even go there. <laughs> you know, and kind of going, oh, you know, proudly made since 1748 or something, you know, like yours actually has, yeah, a lot of Poland in that watch with, with everything around it. So now that's definitely really what we do is, uh, is actually the, the people who had bought the watch before the, the Chopin, uh, the Chopin competition, we invited several of them to actually take part 
It's very oh, difficult wow. to get to get tickets to the Chopin competition. Yeah, of course. Something that yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like course. the Olympics of Chopin. And <laughs> sure. those tickets, they, they sell out in 15 minutes. So yeah. as a partner, we had some tickets available. I had the pleasure of, of being at the, uh, fi- the the final, the winner's uh, concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and sure. that was just uh, mind-boggling. But what we do is when someone buys, buys the watch, we uh, give them the option of picking it up themselves here in in Poland and we give them a day with Chopin so we tour the all the sites we have a Chopin oh, cool. inspired dinner and and so on there's so many there's so many cool things to see uh, yeah, and, and for people who are fans of Chopin it's a, it's a real treat oh that's that, that's amazing for sure and i can definitely see that being a big draw for you know somebody who is really yeah in love with Chopin having Chopin on the wrist with a watch and actually having the experience in Warsaw to tie that together would make that watch even more special. So, no, well done you. That's that's amazing. Cool. All right, last question, and then we'll talk about you more. We need to talk about the watch that you've got on your wrist because that is okay. a wild departure from, you know, Buone watch is very specific, Chopin watch very specific. The Cyberpunk watch, it, like, really takes you to another level, you know. So that's very, very cool. Talk to us about the material. So, so we talked about the watch at the very, very start, which is great. Mm-hmm. So it ties with the game. I want to know the difficulty of working with Titanium as a small company and designing everything. Yeah, I mean, Titanium is, is my favorite material to make to make watches out of. I mean, uh, I'm not going to be the first person to say it, but sure. I, I love the feel of Titanium on the wrist. Mm. I mean, it's very different to steel, very different to gold. I don't own any platinum watches, so I can't say. Yeah, no, however, uh, however, I just love titanium, especially with a bracelet. It's yeah. always warm. It's it, it, The feeling is just great. I mean, it's light. It, yeah. It's just such a fun material. Mm. So, uh, of course, the, the, the problem with titanium is that the MOQ, so the minimal order quantities for making a titanium watch, are something like five times that of a steel watch. Sure. So any element that you need to produce in steel and you need to produce at least, I don't know, 500 pieces with a titanium watch that usually goes up to 2,000, 3,000, or you, or you pay a huge, a huge mm. premium. Uh, the reason being machining costs are, are, are higher. Titanium is a much more difficult material to work with. However, for us, it was either titanium or we're not going to do it. <laughs> Why? Well, because, uh, in cyberpunk, I, I don't know how many listeners will be familiar with the game. However, it's all about implants. The 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 uh, the players. The, the, I'm lacking a word. Uh, the characters you play with all have mm-hmm. implants, right. and implants are often made out of titanium. So sure. we thought, you know, this watch just needs to be titanium. It just yeah. makes sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, the, the difficulty was rather negotiating down. <laughs> <laughs> order quantities yeah. um, we didn't do the machining in-house i'll be absolutely honest with you sure. no, but, it's but getting the right thing. suppliers uh to to get this watch done and and make it look the way we wanted it to look with it being you know very sleek on the wrist making sure that the curvature was right we did a lot of 3d printing mm. and so on I'm, I'm 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 really happy with it in yeah, the end true. we also linked it with an nft which i yes. now it kind of sounds like a dirty word when I say it now. You know, uh, <laughs> NFTs went through a, through a weird evolution. And when we started working on this watch in 2019, you know, 
I, I only saw the good in NFTs. I didn't think it would be million million dollar monkeys or anything like that. I thought it would actually be a really cool way of sure. ensuring that the product you buy is uh, is legit uh, and trans and you know making it simply an anti theft hmm. uh, anti theft device because with this watch. When you sell it, you basically transfer an NFT, yeah. uh, a certificate, and someone knows it's legit. It hasn't been stolen, or that if it's been serviced, there's some history to it. You you, you can save yeah, yeah, that yeah, within sure. the app, and I, I think that's really cool. I mean, it's such a, a plague with all these uh, with all these people being robbed in in you know daylight of their watches. Every time I see something like that happen, I'm just shocked. Mm. Uh, so I think I think NFTs are a really cool way of. Uh, making sure that a watch is legit at the same time in 2019 we were talking with the game publisher on a way of linking a physical watch with something that was in game yes and the nft would give us that possibility of getting okay. a digital twin into yeah, the yeah, game right. or giving ah, okay. or giving pay, uh, players kind of like a bonus so like yeah. if you have the watch on your wrist your your you character in gets the game. some sort yeah. of yeah bonus in yeah. the end, uh, for several reasons, that was not implemented. But right. but the authentication value of that of that certificate is still there. Yeah, look, and and as said, like we mentioned before, I definitely urge people to watch the inst- five minute Instagram video on your five minute video on your Instagram because you do go, uh, you do describe the NFT process quite nicely in that as well. Um, with the cyberpunk watches now they're a limited edition series aren't they thing is 700 pieces yes 700 pieces 700 pieces that's how many watches there are produced yep. that's how many nfts we have yep. and even the ones that we have will will be reflected in the nfts so there's not there's 700 and that's it yeah uh, still available or sold out? Yeah, so 500, 500, uh, I can't remember the exact number, 540-something were, were, were sold uh, during a limited edition sale, okay. uh, a time-limited time sale on the CD Project website. Okay. And all available, all the ones that are left, so the, the 100 and so pieces, Something. will be available in June on our website, the Bonia website. Cool. First come, first That's served. Good. Yeah, all right. You heard it here, people. Right, get on yeah. it. That one last. Leave me one. Ah, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk after. <laughs> the, the, the hype for the watch appeared after that that time limited sale, actually. So right. we had a few okay. publications about the watches, uh, okay. such as Time and Tide, yep. where, where they gave it gave it really cool reviews. And yeah, then, it was cool. just as the sale ended, people were like, "Okay, how the hell can I get this watch?" And we're like, <laughs> "Dude." <laughs> It just ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Uh, it's, it's good to drive a bit of hype. No, that's cool. I, I, yeah, I'm. You know, we talked about unique watches being made by creative, passionate people, and this is one of those where you're like, it's really cool. It's a price level that most people who are listening can certainly aspire yeah. to. Uh, it's about is it five hundred dollars US, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So, and once again, for a unique product. With not many officially around. licensed, officially licensed. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's also, that's also yeah. important. Yeah, it's a yeah, bit, yeah. it's a part of the cost. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know, but because often you know we get caught in this watch hype and stuff like that. So this is a really cool watch at a really cool price with a really cool story and made with love and with care and all that. So that's really really cool. Yeah, and there won't be any more. I mean, that's it. It's going to be seven hundred. That's that's the deal. Uh, yeah. that's it. We produce the NFTs, we produce the watches. 
Yeah, it's it's over. <laughs> there you go. Even 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 more special. Well, look as we start to wind down, the last thing I want to talk to you about. I know we've gone a bit over. The last thing I want to talk to you about is actually your own watch collecting, because you've got. I mean, it's always nice to meet kind of a CEO of a watch company who actually likes watches. That's not that's not a given, certainly in the Swiss industry. But particularly you get a CEO of a watch company who's also really into collecting cool watches himself. That's like a, that's like a rarity. That's a pleasure. So we got to talk about that, man. I mean, I, I, I am in the comfortable position where uh, uh, selling Bonnier or shopping watches is not my livelihood. Yeah, I, 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 we want, and and the people who are part of of the, that company want our watches to get better every year. We want to make cooler watches. It's it's an ambitious project for us, but I don't need to be pushing these watches on anyone. I need, don't right. need to 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 lie that this watch is great if I don't love it. And sure. uh, there's been situations where we've had watches come in and we said we're not we don't like them. We're not going to sell them. Mm. We're just going to throw away all the dials reuse the case, whatever, but this is not something that we feel yeah. we like. So uh, in, in that manner, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm a collector and I'm, I don't just showcase the watches we produce. I showcase mm. watches that I love. Mm. And uh, I, I see a lot of people from the industry don't do that. And then that makes me feel like they're not being honest about their product. Because at the end of the day, if, if I can choose the watch I have on my wrist, and that I helped produce over a watch that someone else made that's worth a, a whole, uh, you know, a different amount of money. But at the same time, I can say uh, this is a watch I prefer to wear today. That yeah. just makes me feel great about that that watch. Yeah. But yeah, com- coming back to, to what you were saying, yeah, my watchmaking has has evolved. Uh, and w- uh, watch collecting has evolved think, yeah. over the last uh, over the last several years. There's so many cool, especially independent brands. Mm. Uh, that I basically learn from. I keep a small diary with every watch I purchase and uh, I basically note down where I bought it, how much oh, I yeah. bought it for, what marks I give it. Wow. <laughs> and right. so Just on don't and let so the on. wife find it, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and cool. I, try to, I try to learn from, from the watches I buy and uh, I, I don't say I don't sell. I never flip watches. I never buy a watch to sell it for more value. Sure. I, I think that's that's just. I, I think that would just put my reputation to to to, not, to pieces. I mean, you know, th- it's all about the people you know in this industry, and it's all about you know the trust of other collectors and so on. So definitely not something that that I would mm. ever do. However, I don't say I don't sell watches. If sure. if I get a piece and I don't like it. I sell it after a month. I sell it after a week sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I put a watch on once and I know straight away it's not going to be for me. But there's a lot of watches that I will just keep uh, in perpetuity or hopefully pass on to, to my son. Mm. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, the the plight of a watch collector is always watches in. The ones you love stay. The ones you yeah. like so the ones you love stay forever. The ones you like stay for a while. The ones you don't like, they go out again. So to find the next, you know, somebody who will like it more or love it. So yeah, that's 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 a natural. Have you got? Because I mean, I, I can I know the the people the makers you like. Give us kind of your last three. Tell us about your last two or three acquisitions. That's something that you fell in love with. Kind of you know that really lit your fire. 
All right. Well, I guess some of some of what I'm going to say is going to be a little bit unpopular, but it's going to to, to be the, the truth. I mean, of course, I started off with uh, when we started off with Bonya with, with wanting a Rolex and wanting, you know, uh, a Patek mm. uh, and wanting all these all these brands. And I'm not saying those are bad watches in a way, mm. uh, but you know, I, I started off to, like everyone else and not being sure. able to afford those watches. I went through uh, a lot of uh, other brands, including Frederic uh, Constant, which I think was one of the, the, the first serious watches I would say I bought. Uh, yeah. I, I bought a, a few other watches, uh, such as Buran watches, which are which is a Russian mm. yeah, of company, course. which I remember and so on. And uh, yeah, slowly evolving what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and and basically what, what brings uh, value for money uh, for me. So solely from from I guess mass produced value for money in in a way I would I would move to independents who for a little bit more would provide uh, would provide watches that were unique. Yeah. So I have a few really cool uh, watches made by by Russian independents, and mm. uh, you, know. you know you have to you have to admit they they do offer great value for money. Hundred uh, percent, and uh, yeah, so so those are a few cool watches I have. But the last three acquisitions are actually quite focused. One of my favorite um, watchmakers is definitely Sven Anderson, and and I know you like him as well. Oh, when you have him. that bottle, bottle clock, which I, I envy do. you for. If you ever <laughs> want to sell that, please let me know. No, no, no. My my, my eight year old son had already got that on. You oh, know, that's damn. that's never leaving. He's like, you know, he he it blew his mind that you know that a man yeah. made it in a clock. So yeah, yeah. So in a bottle, it's just next to me. So, um, but yes, no, I'm that- a huge love for Mr. Anderson for sure. And that actually started with uh, my favorite complication is is the world timer. I love ah, the, I love the world okay. timer complication. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And a few years ago, uh, looking at world timers, and at the time, uh, and I guess still now, one of my my grails is the Patek world timer. Uh, although I'm not I'm not a fan of Patek references, you you can't question me whether it's like a five zero one zero. I don't know. There will a, never I'm be a, a question on this podcast about references. Don't a, worry about I'm that. Not a, I'm not a Patek fanboy. However, I do love the World Timer. For me, that is the quintessential Patek. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people won't agree, but if I had to choose not to flip, but to wear yeah. one Patek, I would choose the World Timer. Interesting. That is just my favorite, yeah. my favorite Patek watch. Yeah. And, and, and uh, at one point, I would I was reading, of course, many articles, and then I found out about the Mondos. Mondos, mm. I think it's called the, the thinnest World Timer. Uh, at uh, at its uh, at its time at its launch, which was produced by by Sven Anderson, mm. and then I found um, a, a watch that was called the Columbus, the, yes. the Anderson yes. Genève Columbus, in so uh, in a watch uh, on eBay. I found it on eBay, but they misspelled they misspelled oh, Anderson awesome. Genève. They spelled it as. Uh, they, they misspelled an e, yeah yeah no no they misspelled Anderson they I think they said Anderson or something okay. it was just like so, wow. such a stupid spelling mistake yeah and it just like no one would bid on it because sure. I guess There's no one, one would find it yeah, yeah so yeah. I reached out to the, the the seller who was it was actually a shop in Berlin and I said yeah I'll, I'll take that watch but you know I won't pay what you're what you're asking yeah, yeah. on eBay sure. because you know you've tried to sell it three times and I bought it. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> One of the best deals I ever got. Oh, I love I that, that watch. 
Love and when that cars. watch arrived, uh, and it's a full set, I mean, it's, it's the fullest of sets. So good. Oh, man. With, so good. With actually the facsimile of the order uh, oh, wow. signed by Sven Anderson oh, himself. Wow. Oh, wow. The That's document crazy. where the guy bought it and like acknowledges that he's, uh, yeah, received he's picking it, it, up. it up. Oh, man. That's so good. Service papers, every <laughs> single invoice, oh, like dude. every little dude. bit of information and the catalog and so on. And I put that yeah. watch on and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I so love good. the case. I love it's the so Chinese good. NML. I was it's just like, so how is this watch not more expensive? Yeah. How is yeah. this watch not more expensive? And, yeah. and that was like, what, three years ago. Now they're more than double of yeah, the yeah, asking yeah. price. Yeah. No, I've missed, I've, I've, I've sadly, I've missed my window on, on the those, Columbus is one of my favorite watches. Yeah, and I so started good. reading up on Anderson Genève and I saw yeah. the Mont Attacked, oh. which was one of uh, oh, my dude. original grails. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you're asking what my last three yeah. watches are, there are two Anderson Genevs. Yeah. So I have, I actually hunted down that Mont Attacked. Uh, so the tactful watch, which is a complication first, invented introduced by uh abraham Breguet uh yeah. in, a, in a pocket watch where you have the time display well at that time it wasn't between the lugs but it was at the side of the watch yeah. so you would yeah. we wouldn't have to look at the face of the watch mm. to see the time it was a tactful watch so yeah. you know so that the person you're talking to wouldn't see that you're in a hurry and the second one was actually something that uh that a friend of mine recommended i'm on a i'm on a whatsapp group where collectors exchange watches and so on and i've been asking several times about anderson Genève watches mm. and a collector from that group was in new york his name is knife and and he just starts writing to me like yeah i'm in diamond street and there's this anderson Genève watch perhaps you know you want it and i'm like dude, dude. yeah dude yeah <laughs> wow. that's awesome that's oh, man, a, that's, that's awesome. a that's a that's a Nuit yeah. Azure. Uh, it's a, it was a Nuit Azure in white gold, Guillaume style. Uh, it's the movement is, is, is the most beautiful movement out of my mm. whole collection. And I can't thank Knife enough for getting that to me because he just wrote, listen, I know how passionate you are about Anderson Genève. I'm going to buy this watch if you don't want it. But if you want it, I'll buy it. You can transfer oh, wow. me the money. Oh, that's and, so good. And, and I'll, I'll get it over to you. And, you know, this is someone I've never actually met yeah, for coffee or anything, yeah, just yeah. a collector who helped me out, get, got this watch to me yeah. without, you know, do, he just did a good deed and it's just, yeah. it's just awesome. And, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And no, those, look, those, those two watches are my absolute favorites at the moment. My, my whole Anderson Genève collection, three watches, something that's going to stay with me. And the mm. third watch I bought it, uh, was uh, is actually a Vacheron Constantin Toledo. Mm. So 47040, I think that would be. Just, four, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's you're a asking the wrong moon, person. Moon yeah. uh, with that, I think they call it the Chicolante case. So it's like a modeled after, in, it was made in the 50s for the first time. Looks kind of like an Italian chocolate. So mm. it's a really cool watch. Now, I said I'm going to say something that's not going to be very popular. Please. So I, 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 I bought, I bought that, that Vacheron in March uh, as a present for myself for my birthday. Nice. And uh, I won it at auction, and I'm like, okay, so that's nice. That's great. I'm, I'm going to be happy. This is going to be the watch I buy for this year, <laughs> plus a few. And sure. then the Mont yeah. Attack appeared. 
Yeah. I mean, okay, it was already on it was on Chrono, I'm gonna be honest with you, but it was in Taiwan. So yeah. I started negotiations with, with the shop there like for, for several weeks, and then we, we came to an understanding. So I'm like, okay, damn, I need to buy this watch right now. So I got yep. the Montatact. And yep. then Knife messaged me like two uh, two days later about this. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good. Love this so story. I was just like, Love oh my God. Uh, so I got all three of these watches basically in the same week. Wow. And I'll be absolutely honest. I like the VC, mm. but I love the mm. Anderson Genevs. Mm. So the yeah. VC is on its way out. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but no. from, from, that tri- from that trio, you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to so make choices. Yeah, if you're going to kill one of those babies, VCs, yeah, I'm not surprised that VC is going. Um, I just, I, first of all, I, I'm just really happy. I just wanted you to tell the story of the Andersons because they're like, they're amazing watches and people who are going to look up your Instagram will blow their minds. Um, so that's really cool. The other thing, like, I I'm didn't know. I'm going to have to make story. posts about them. I didn't, I just put them into stories. <laughs> I'm going to have to put make posts about them. <laughs> then even better, then it's it's for you that no one else yeah. is know. Uh, and the other thing I just wanted to say was I didn't know the story about Knife, obviously, because that's not, that, but that highlights kind of, the best thing about this watch collecting hobby, particularly if you get into the independent watches and some of the kind of the more obscure independent watches, not like FB Jean's or whatever, you know, it's a really small, tight knit group of people. Cause I I've had stories very similar to yours where I've had kind of, I call them my Instagram friends or people. I, I have no idea what they look like in real life. Yeah. Who, a, have bought watches for me, chased out watches for me, went to pick up watches and shipped watches to me with like ridiculous sums of money. And yeah, the the love and the trust that you develop in this community is, is amazing. And also the other thing is, you know, with these kind of independent watches, there's not a lot of them being produced or wherever produced. So if you see one pop up, like you jump on yeah. it because there's like the another one might never come up or might come up in 10 years' time. So, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, man. So exactly. Now, I am hugely jealous but also very happy for you. It's one of those things where like I'm really glad these things go to good homes and like, yeah, that's just awesome, man. I just wanted you to share that story. That made my yeah, day. That it. made me really happy. So uh, I'll be quiet now. But that was awesome. I'm really glad you got uh, spend Anderson. It's, it's nice to see uh, the prices for those Anderson watches are coming up because I missed my window uh, a couple of years ago. But it's really nice to see him get the recognition. He's an amazing yeah. maker. You know, all the you know started the AHCI with Vincent Calabresi. Mm-hmm. You know, and all that. So amazing man, really nice man, amazing maker, genius mind. So really good to see him. I actually progress. put up put up stories and tagged. Uh, Anderson Genève, and they mm. wrote to me and they invited mm. me to Geneva and they're like, yeah, can you bring the Nuit Azure so we can take photos of it? <laughs> That's awesome. So we can take photos of it because we don't have any good photos of it. So sure. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah, You don't turn that down. Have coffee yeah. with, Mr. with Mr. Sven Anderson? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and they are like, they're really wonderful because I reached out to them about the clock as well just to ask a few technical questions because once again, it's a clock made in, yeah. I got this bottle clock made in, I think the early 70s like, no no instructions to come with it and they yeah. were like super happy you know to provide information yeah just wonderful just wonderful people which is yeah, the best of the indie scene all right well i think we should we should start wrapping this up because i said you and i can talk about it for hours but you've you know it's coming towards nighttime for me but you've got you're in the middle of your work day so let's let's wrap it up what we usually do is 
at the end, we, we usually ask our guests for a recommendation of some kind, Instagram, book, video, whatever, something that kind of you're interested in that you think would be worth other people knowing. Um, I'm not sure if you've got anything that you on your mind. I, I haven't thought, thought about something like that, but I really appreciate uh, the website that Peter Speak uh, created. Mm-hmm. It's called The Naked Watchmaker. Yeah. Perhaps most people know it, but if you don't, you should definitely check it out. I mean, he does deconstructions of watches, which I find are really, really great. And he's he has this uh, online course that I actually bought for myself. There's a lot of things that there, especially when you're starting out in collecting, but the watch yeah. prog- the, the, the course progresses. So as you go more into it, there's even if you're an uh, accomplished uh, collector, you'll get you'll get new knowledge. However, the way Peter runs it is just so much fun. And mm. uh, I had the opportunity of of of, of meeting uh, Peter once at Schwarzetien. Actually, oh, I, cool. I visited Schwarzetien to to pick up my uh, Carry Voteline and Schwarzetien collab. Yep. Uh, uh, and and they had uh, Peter coming in the next day to 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 put together the Phoenix uh, clock that he did with yep. him. And I'm like, Maro, <laughs> come on, <laughs> yeah. nice. let me let Beautiful. me come in. Let yeah. me just come in and, and uh, meet Peter. Uh, and I I just wanted him to see the Chopin watch. To be honest, I wanted yeah. him to to tell me what he thought thought of it. So Maro's like, sure, Michael, I can't say no to you, but please. Just ten minutes because he's gonna. <laughs> there's there's gonna be like a TV crew there. Sure. They're gonna film him uh, making uh, putting the watch together. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. ten minutes, please. Yeah. I'm like, sure, yeah, I just want to meet him. Yeah. And then in the end, we had coffee with Peter and we talked for like an hour. I would see like the Schwarzenegger crew <laughs> pacing back and forth. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. But uh, he is honestly uh, another another great and mm. such a nice guy. So we had a really. Definitely really cool talk as well so yeah, yeah no definitely lots I, of love for uh, peter i definitely yeah. i recommend the naked watchmaker yeah no that's that's really really cool um the one i'd recommend quickly is it's a russian maker you have one of his watches uh it's at mii.watch so manufactura ivana ivanovicha for our Russian listeners, um, just awesome watches. Just really interesting time display. Once again, made with love. Really, really cool. I know you've got I one. was in his workshop. I met him personally, had a beer with him. Beautiful. And very, very nice guy. Uh, and a lot of what he does, he does by hand himself. So definitely. Yeah, really cool. So really, really cool. Last thing, tell our listeners how they can find you and Wani watches and Chopin watches. Where can they... So the easiest way to find us would be would be Instagram. Definitely just type in Bologna Watches. So that's B-L-O-N-I-E, Bologna Watches on Instagram. And uh, you'll, you'll, you, you can find our website there as well. And if you want to find me and then move on to Chopin Watches, which is also Chopin Watches on Instagram, my handle on Instagram is Michal, M-I-C-H-A-L, dot Dunin, D-U-N-I-N. That's awesome, man. Michal, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I've learned lots. I'm sure our listeners have as well. No, thank you for coming in. Just, it's been brilliant to get to know Thanks you. Thanks a lot, Roman. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's sad that we're you know on the other side of the world. It would be great to to catch up over a beer and talk more. Definitely, I'll have to. We'll have to find a way. It's been <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks for coming in. Uh, and Thanks for everyone. We usually say what we always say at the end, you know, thanks for joining us. We set this up as platform by enthusiasts and for enthusiasts. So if you want to join us, contribute, write reviews, come on the podcast, just get in touch. 
Follow Fifth Wrist on Facebook and Instagram or on our website. Like, like and subscribe to the podcast. You know the drill. Follow me. I'm at Times Roman AU and Mihal is at Mihal.dunen. Make sure you check out Blowny Watches and Shop Hand Watches on their respective websites or on Instagram. Thanks for joining us again and stay on time. is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthwrist.com and join the movement.